Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson himself. Pete, how are you doing on this fine Tuesday? I'm good. I'm looking forward to getting, <laughs> I was going to say something really rude then, really deep into the Abroad in Japan universe once what again. What is going on? <laughs> I don't know. It's a funny Tuesday. I think everyone's in a bit of a strange mood, to be quite frank. I've spent the last... Or oh, the last three hours watching a Japanese wrestling show for my other podcast, Wrestle Me. Um, so I'm very much in a filthy mood because a lot of the wrestling, the Japanese wrestlers, or certainly the uh, American wrestlers who wrestle in Japan, uh, they get away with using such bad language. <laughs> oh, really? In, I've uh, actually never yeah, watched in it. Japanese wrestling shows. Yeah, I, I watched Wrestle Kingdom 11, which was uh, sort of 2017. It was kind of Kenny Omega's kind of big big show that that, that 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 kind of put him massively on the map and uh yeah it's really interesting he's really good in it is it all filmed in osaka we have our, my friend sean who i think you've met mm. um, he kind of does i think he does a podcast about wrestling down in osaka but uh, is that where it's filmed or where it's done or is there much it, i mean to be on? honest this one this rest, i mean new japan is a big big company they, they you know they dominate the uh, wrestling landscape in japan and uh i've been to a couple of shows of theirs and they're, and they're really really good really really strong level uh high level and um strong they level. it's usually it's usually like Kurokan hall but but this one was at the tokyo dome the big egg Right, so yeah. like mil- like thousands of people in the- watching the- watching this wrestling show. It's incredible. Yeah. Why you've been mm. going really deep in wrestling, to quote you, I've uh, <laughs> been wandering around a $20,000 a month apartment in Harajuku. Did you see the ridiculous apartment I put out this week on Abroad in Japan? I did indeed. What I like about it, it's it's. I mean, it's an obscene amount of money. So, I mean, what are we talking? Uh, so $20,000 a month for this mm. Harajuku apartment um, so you're, you're spending the best part of, you know, a, a, like like a lot of money if you want that for a year. Uh, and it's right in the centre of town. Um, it's in an incredible location. And they've managed to sort of squeeze so much into this kind of apartment. And, and the size unfurnished of the um of like the living room and the even like the the laundry room and the kitchen and stuff like that is incredible. But still, it still doesn't compare to even an, a, like a normal uh, American house, you would say, <laughs> which is quite weird, kind of yeah, floor yeah. space wise. 
<laughs> on, on the one hand, it's remarkable. On the other hand, it's not. I guess it's all a matter of location, isn't it? Like a lot of the comments mm. are like, oh, it's not that good at all. But to be honest, it mm. is in the center of Harajuku. It's about yes, a five-minute yeah. walk from uh, Takeshita Street, you know, a really famous mm. uh, kind of street where people dress up. And uh, it's uh, like it, it was interesting. I think the only thing I really was impressed by or I thought was amazing was the uh, – the rooftop garden, the kind of secret rooftop mm. garden where you can sit, have coffee, have some crumpets, look out over the Harajuku skyline. I was quite envious about that because I haven't yeah, had a garden for eight years now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you are ever going to have a garden, I think you should definitely get one of those dog dog foot showers to wash your dog, dog after they've uh, been out in the dirt. <laughs> dog foot shower. But yeah, I am. Um, incredible. It's uh, it's doing really well on YouTube, actually. If you haven't seen it, guys, go and check it out. I think it's called What Does a $20,000 Apartment in Japan Look Like? Another original title. I, it's, it's always these kind of really simplistic titles do the best. It's actually the um, like the second best performing video of the year. But I guess people just want to see these kind of things, don't they? The most expensive, the biggest. Um, and I'm going to go. Yeah, and we're do... never going to be able to. We're never going to be able to sort of stay in one of those things. So even even at your pay grade, Chris, I don't think you'd even be able to afford uh, staying in that one for more than a couple of months anywhere. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to though. It just feels like a, a waste of money. I think uh, you know the only people that do stay there are either millionaires, billionaires, or uh, in that case, Alex, the guy that showed us around, he basically said that the sort of people that stay in these kind of really expensive apartments are like foreign dignitaries and oh, yeah, uh, d- yeah diplomats and stuff yeah really high diplomats, grade uh, yeah. diplomats and stuff i like the what i liked about the whole thing because obviously there was like a massive shoe rack bigger than any shoe rack i've ever seen before in my life a walk through closet to get to the kitchen and you know massive master bedroom great little guest mm. room as well with, with a separate toilet um but what i liked about it was um the fact that it doesn't matter how nice the place is the air conditioning units um all on one bank look exactly the same as every other air conditioning unit you've I've used in Japan. They, they, there's no real deviation to any of what them. Were you sure they're, they're high what quality. were you expecting? I was just expecting like a kind of, um, uh, like I wasn't expecting an off the shelf, uh, air conditioning solution. I was expecting like a, a unique, um, construction, a unique piece of, uh, machinery to administer air to this, uh, to this particular apartment. But no, it was, it was just a normal kind of air conditioning unit. And that's the thing that surprised me the most. We are, um, I mean, we are going to go and do another video, I think, looking at another absurd apartment. I won't give it away mm, just yet, lovely. but it looks equally as mental, if not more so. But uh, yeah, I think it was it was a lot of fun. I'm going to, Alex is a really good guy, and um, I think he's been, bar- been bombarded with um, messages and phone calls because of the video, because it's doing so well. A lot of people have reached out to him, so he's done well out of it, I think. But he said he's had some really bizarre people. Like, so apparently someone just walked into his shop and was like, oh, I saw the Abroad Japan video. It was good. And then just left the shop, just walked off. Um, so <laughs> very bizarre situation. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, we now turn our attention, though, to Story of the Week. And we've got one from Justin from Richmond, Canada. And he says, Ooh. hey, wonderful Chris. Although he spelt my name wrong. He's written it as Kurz. Hey, wonderful Kurz and the amazing Pete. I started listening to the podcast around July and I've been addicted to it ever since. I listen to it when I wash the dishes. So thank you for making dishwashing enjoyable. Thank you, Justin. That's what we aim to do here on the Abroad in Japan podcast. Uh, I am half Japanese. So before the pandemic hit, I went to Japan once a year with my family to see my relatives in Nara Prefecture, where the deer are. Um, So here's my dilemma. When we first landed Narita Airport, it's a custom to eat out for the first night. 
Throughout the meal, we have a great time, but at the end of the meal is when it gets intense. And everybody has finished their food. My relatives and my parents always fight for the bill. Uh, my dad and I call this the ite, fight, uh, which is a phrase in Japan meaning don't worry about it. As they say, ite, ite. They tug and pull on the bill. Sometimes there is pushing and grabbing. It will take at least five minutes to decide who will pay for the bill. The ite fight occurs quite frequently whenever we go out to eat. I always thought this was weird because where I live, everyone is calm when we decide who pays the bill. So I'm wondering, if this is a common thing to occur in Japanese culture, or are my relatives and parents just weird? And have you guys experienced this yourself? And what would you do if you're in an ite fight? Uh, keep up the great work, Justin from Richmond. I mean, that is quite common in the UK, is it not, Pete? What do you think about that? Fighting yeah, my, every time, every time I um, we'd leave my nan's house, my nan and my mum would argue about um, <coughs> about who was going to um, not pay for the, uh, or who was going to pay for, I don't know, like the, the, the some something like food that was bought that week or whatever. My my mum would insist that she paid for it. My nan would insist that she paid for it, and they'd have a a big old squabble for about a good two minutes every single time we went to our nans. We and and the same with and the same with like when we're eating out and stuff. I'm usually arguing over the bill with somebody saying yeah, I'm you, gonna take this and of <laughs> all my friends, I think you are the one who is the most annoying. I have so many memories of going to pay <laughs> Generous, for the bill. Please, thank you. Are you get like I'm gonna I'm gonna pay and I'm like no that's right Pete I'll pay like, I want to pay the bill and <laughs> I don't know why you sound like that but it's I've I've had many annoying altercations with you over the bill well, and I remember it frequently happening. Maybe well, whenever we've gone out we've gone to one of those little kind of um, those little old school bars. Is it Meiji era? No, what did me? Meiji uh, era. No, 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 Meiji no. Era. Um, no. 1950s no, what's, when, era. What, what's the 1950s era um that that, sure, that bar sure, where sure, we, that's uh, it. sure sure that's it um and we eat a bit of food and i've usually really indulged a little bit too hard on the whole uh corned beef situation because i love that corned beef stuff and uh and so i always feel guilty <laughs> and also i drink like a blade fish <laughs> it's true I remember mm. when Natsuki and I used to hang out um, all those years ago. The first time we hung out was about seven years ago, right? And we would meet up every Thursday. And the idea was I would teach him English and whatnot. And he used to pay for me. Natsuki would pay for every dinner. And it was really amazing. I was really humbled by that. And then as mm. the YouTube channel took off, we started to pay kind of half and half. Uh, like he'd pay one week, I'd pay the other. And then yeah. after about two <laughs> years... Full circle. When it got to 100,000 subscribers, he never paid again, and he's never paid for a meal since. <laughs> and I pay all the meal. I'm like, oh, who's going to pay? Oh, it's me. And he's just never paid since. So uh, the circle of Natsuki well, is complete. He's <laughs> now becoming an older gentleman, so we have to respect our elders. <laughs> well, you say that, but in Japan, it's always the like the older person who pays the bill, right? So technically, mm. he should always pay. Ryotaro... Never pays. I don't think he's bought me any meal. We always have to split it 50-50. My good friend Yuki. He bought me a hotel room. He did. Did, did he buy you a hotel he room? He bought me. He did buy me. He, yeah. Um, yeah, he did. Riotaro. When we were going to see those fishermen, he bought me a, a, a moderately priced um, hotel room. And I, no, and I paid for I never, that. I, I, did you pay for that? I paid what, for the, that. The, what? The old, like the, the, the old school one. I thought, I thought Riotaro did. I paid did. for that. Oh, well, thank Riotaro. you. Riotaro. <laughs> Dishonest Riotaro. Dishonest Riotaro trying to claim that he paid uh, for it. No, I paid for you. He oh, never right, that. okay, fair dues. But uh, <laughs> my good friend Yuki, he's an honourable gentleman with his tiny beers and big smile. Mm. He always pays, and that's why Yuki is my favourite friend. Um, <laughs> but yeah, easily bought I am, easily bought. Um, 
In terms of news this week, then, what have we got? We've got news that there's a huge drop in pregnancies because of COVID-19 in Japan. Now, Japan is obviously um, embattled in the last decade with a, a sharp drop in the number of pregnancies. And uh, because people in Japan never die, it seems, has, and Japan has the world's highest life expectancy, the country is quite a big problem going on. Um, it's, also, it's what's known as the upside-down pyramid problem, the where most of the population is elderly and requires lots of kind of welfare payments, but there's not a young population intact to uh, pay for those bills. And this right. year, it's actually going to get a whole lot worse. There's been an 11.4% drop uh, in the number of pregnancies so far this year compared to the last year uh, because of people actively avoiding going to the hospital, because of people being fearful of the pandemic. So the pandemic's actually added to the problem. I remember reading reports um, earlier this year where people suggested maybe the uh, kind of it would go up. The number of pregnancies would go up, people being trapped indoors, nothing to do. But it's been quite the opposite of that here in Japan. Um, it suggested there's a kind of double whammy of issues. Firstly, travel restrictions in place earlier this year meant many women who um, many women in Japan go to their parents' homes to prepare for giving birth. But given travel wasn't a thing, many people kind of avoided um, getting pregnant, I guess. Um, and also... Um, do people apparently in Japan? I don't know if this is the case in the UK, but in Japan, when you are in hospital during delivery, you have to wear a face mask. And I suspect many uh, people were not really keen for that to happen. But I think overall, it's just mm. the fear of going into a hospital at the moment uh, and everything going on yeah. economically has kind of prevented people from doing it. What do you think? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll apologise for the slight um, disruption. If you can hear a, um, a shaking uh, dog, it's it's two dogs just looking at me. A There's shaking dog. A shaking dog. You get earthquakes. You get shaking it's buildings just... <laughs> here. You get a shaking dog. But, can, but one, one of them has gone like that, and I, I thought, I hope nobody thinks that's me getting excited about pregnant women. It was definitely. Uh, and, then, and then the other one was doing <laughs> shaky, shaky. Um, no, I think, yeah, I think I think when there's any, any kind of turmoil, be it um, man-made, uh, God-made, you know, any kind of uh, disruption, I, I imagine the tsunami kind of, uh, you know, all those years ago probably dipped the um, the, the pregnancy uh, level levels massively simply because, um you know, you don't want to bring someone into the world, a rather unstable world, in an unstable situation, I suppose, mm. either financially or, or whatever. So, yeah, I imagine there's there's that as well. And nobody wants to um, introduce a child into the world when there's no money kicking around and there's a massive economic downturn. So there's probably that as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's all these factors. But, um, I mean, it's been quite bizarre seeing these different economic um outcomes of the kind of covid situation um mm. one of the one of the things that i found most daunting about uh, the virus in japan is that a lot of people are very scared of getting it because of the stigma around catching uh, an illness in japan i mean there's a reason people wear masks in the first place right people want to contain that but uh, yeah. just north of Miyagi Prefecture, so I'm in Sendai, Miyagi. Just north of here, we have Iwate Prefecture. And Iwate was the last prefecture in Japan uh, where there were cases of COVID-19 up until about two months ago, I think, when they had the first case. But it was extremely uh, scary for people up there because if you, when the person did eventually contract it, I think there was a yeah. real high level of harassment. Like they got bombed, the workplace they worked got bombarded with calls, um there was like people just being really kind of uh like there were people smashing up houses and breaking windows and doing all sorts of terrible stuff and i came across a report interestingly this week where apparently uh 11 
of people in Japan. In a study recently conducted, 11.5% of people said that if you get the, co- if you get the virus um, in Japan, uh, you are to blame for having it, basically. Like, you're to blame for right, having okay. it. As, whereas in the US and the UK, it's 1% and 1.49% respectively. So, you know, if you catch it, it's not your fault. It's just unlucky, really. Whereas in Japan, if you get it, it's seen as being your fault. So it's kind of scary, right? I don't, if I get it, it could look really bad being a foreigner living out here as well. So you've got that mm. to consider. So it's one of the weird, bizarre things of living in Japan, the stigma that comes around having a disease like that. Um, yeah. Similar, I guess, to mental diseases, mental health issues, as we discussed um, a few weeks ago. I think also with COVID in, in Japan, it's, it's not as ubiquitous as it is everywhere else. I think Tokyo, I think yesterday mm. had like 200 cases or something, or 200 new cases they announced that week. It's like, I mean, that is a small amount compared to everywhere else. And I understand mm, why that's mm. happened, but um, there's not as many people. Like, you know, I, I imagine most Japanese people don't know that many, like on, on average, don't know many people who've had it. Um, I know, you know, several people who've, who've certainly gone through it, both undiagnosed and also diagnosed. So yeah. I, I, and, and obviously at this point in the, uh, it's not um, as much of a death sentence. It's not as much of a, you know, that they know what complementary medicines to use to combat it a little bit. So it's not quite as risky for those uh, under 80s, under 70s and stuff. So it shouldn't be regarded, obviously, with, with that stigma because it is just a, you know, it's it's a it's a horrible um, virus that, that, that a lot of people can get very, very easily because it's all about airborne particles. But I think... The way the Japanese obviously um, have have dealt with it, you know, closing off the country, closing everything, you know, closing everything down, um, and and having such a a, a low um, infection rate. Whether you know the, the government will probably come up with some statistic that it's you know somehow a genetic, uh, you know, their, their genetic um, superiority, etc. <laughs> yes, pendes. Pen, pendes, um and all that bollocks. So yeah, it, it's. Um, yeah, it's 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 kind of. It, I can understand why the Japanese are absolutely shit scared about it. Well, Ryotaro told me. Oh, before we get to that, uh, going back to Koroa Pendes, that was a genuine thing on Japanese TV. I wasn't just making mm. that up. They genuinely uh, said that the English language may spread the disease because it's it's terrible. Um, More there poisons. was uh, yeah. I was speaking to Ryotaro though, and he kind of said uh, none of his friends, if they had it, they would have, they would never tell anyone, right? And he said, like, I would never tell anyone if I had it either because uh, it would instantly shred your reputation to pieces. Um, So it's all about reputation. So it's probably a lot of undiagnosed people just disappearing for a couple of weeks, isn't it, and infecting more people? (laughs) Well, exactly, exactly. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. In our daily lives, we all carry around with us different stressors. They can be big, they can be small, and sometimes we might not even realise that we're carrying them around with us. But if these feelings stay bottled up, they can start to affect us negatively, which is why having a positive outlet for discussion can be such a valuable tool for your well-being. Therapy can be a perfect outlet for your inner stressors. It's a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Sometimes just speaking things out into the open can be such a great release of inner tension. So you can spend less time stressing about the issue and more time figuring out how you can overcome it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Japan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Japan. Join me, Melissa Reddy, and listen to my brand new podcast, Between the Lines. I'll be speaking to the biggest names in football about the captivating, behind-the-scenes stories fans want to hear. From major talking points to untold anecdotes, you'll hear from some of football's leading stars as well as those working in the shadows. In our first episode, I spoke to former Spurs manager Maurizio Pochettino about that Amazon documentary. We feel responsible because it was uh, very difficult to say yes to open the door to Amazon. Only we watch with Jesus the 25 minutes first because it was until we uh, left the club. And on our latest episode, I investigate how prevalent and damaging social media abuse is in football. And I was like taking all this negativity onto myself and I did. I kind of lost myself and my personality because I knew everything that was going on around it. And it's not until I actually got to a stage where I thought, I can't take this anymore. It is becoming too much for me that I spoke out about it. Craving football insight? Well, look no further. Listen to Between the Lines with me, Melissa Reddy, via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. This was a Stakhanov production. I remember when I was in Tokyo, though, not that long ago, I uh, I saw people, I saw a guy who definitely had it. He was coughing right. so much. And he, he was mm. really, really pissed me off, actually. He took his mask off. Uh, I just took his mask down and just coughed all over the street. And I just sort of walk around, take a, like a massive detour to get around him. But yeah. I've seen a lot of people coughing and like pulling their masks down, down, pulling their masks down to, um, to cough. And to I don't know out. why, why you would do that. Yeah. Get the cough out, honestly. <laughs> but for the most part, clearly something's gone right in Japan. And I do think I, I'm no, I'm no expert, but I do suspect it's something to do with the fact that a hundred percent of the people here do wear a mask when they're out in public. And I'm not even saying mm. 99%. Like I went out the other day and just trying to count people, um, count people that weren't wearing a mask. And out in public, walking down the street, it's incredibly difficult to see someone who isn't. Mm. 
um, certainly out here. So I guess that I think that's one of the key factors, to be honest. Uh, and also yeah. the incredible stigma, the fear of getting it um, could be monumental. Um, but there you go. Now we turn our attention to the fax machine. More lighthearted, happy things. What have we got this week, Mr. Dolson? <laughs> We've got an email from Mark from New York City. Uh, hello, Chris and Pete. For two years in a row, my wife, kid, and I had the chance to spend the whole month of August in Japan. Yes, it was hot, but it was so amazing. Thanks to Chris's videos, we actually visited Matsuyama and uh, explored parts of the Shikoku Island. What constantly pops up in my head since our return are the multiple specific sounds of Japan. For example, when you enter a 7-Eleven or a Family Mart, uh, there's a very specific tune that plays. Um, same when the subway doors close or when you take an escalator. In August, the cicadas make a very loud and unique tune as well. Japan has a very unique soundscape, and it seems to be the strongest memories I forge when traveling there. Are there any Japanese sounds that marked you? I would be curious to hear and listen about it. That's a really good. Uh, that's a really good point, actually. I think you forget how evocative smells and sounds are over other senses, I suppose, um, and you know, compared to sight and stuff. When I was, uh, I was on a train. You know, the javelin that uh, was introduced for the 2012 Olympics. The train from King's Cross out to, oh, I want to say it goes out to the weird odd terminal out in in the sticks that take the uh, Eurostar um right. basically it gets you into Kent very very easily um out, it gets you to um oh, Canterbury those, those kind of places yeah the, yeah mm. Canterbury which, yeah yeah all those places and um we um yeah I got on that and I think the default noises that they use on the train because I think it's a Japanese tra- I mean think oh I guess all Japanese uh, trains are Japanese trains but um the noise that it makes that they haven't changed it from the default sound so it's very similar to the Shinkansen or, or maybe the JR noise or something but either way it sounded just like a Japanese train and I was like oh that oh. takes me back <laughs> it made me really happy <laughs> it's I mean each station's different I was at Sendai station the other day mm. getting a local train and they have this really, like, just really terrifying, like, circus music. It's not even, like, fun or nice. Like, usually it's like, but, like, I got on the one at Sendai, it was like, nice. really loud. And I, like I was like, it. why is this happening? This is terrifying. <laughs> uh, I don't want to get on this train again. But um, you're right. Uh, I, my, for me, the sound of Japan is just the cicadas, or cicadas, as you say, uh, in summer. I don't know. Is that how it's pronounced? Cicada? Cicada? Cicada. I don't know which one's Neil Sedaka, <laughs> the singer Neil Sedaka. But for me, that that is the noise, the summer noise. And I, I made a video yeah. on the second channel, Broad Perspective, a few months ago, a few weeks ago actually, um, where it's just a twenty thirty minute clip of the Japanese countryside, like a meditation relaxation video that I sometimes put on the background for my own sanity. And in that kind of the soundtrack to that is just a nice little flowing stream and the sound of the cicadas going in the distance. But uh, yeah, it's trains, it's cicadas. And for me, it's a succession of Natsuki quotes and the Natsuki <laughs> soundboard on the Abroad Japan website. Uh, it's just so many yeah. Natsuki quotes. For me, Natsuki is, <laughs> is, is Japan. Um, got one here from Sonia from Crouch End. Crouch End, London, very fancy area where they filmed uh, Shaun the Dead, isn't it? Um, hi, Chris and Pete. Question specifically for Chris. Sorry, Pete. Oh, no. Uh, Having grown up in a temperate land with next to no natural disasters, how did you mentally adjust to living with the possibility of earthquakes, etc., in your adopted land? Or do you simply not think about it? I hope this isn't too macabre a question. I know, uh, thankfully, earthquakes of such high magnitude are rare, and I certainly hope and trust that you never, ever meet one. All the best to you both. Keep it up. Sonia from London. Uh, I mean, 
I, I don't really think about it that much. Earthquakes aren't that frequent in terms of actually feeling it. Um, they are, they happen every day, but, uh, often you, you just don't feel it. And, um, when I, for the first three years living in Japan on the West Coast, there's not that many earthquakes over there compared to the East Coast where I live now. And, um, when I moved to Sendai, there was, we had a section, a segment of time where there was an earthquake at least once or twice a week and it got kind of scary. Um, so just living in Sendai, it can be quite dicey, but no, for the most part, mm. you don't think about it, to be honest. Um, it's not that much of an issue. Um, but yeah, what's I your, guess, um, what, what yeah, was, can't. what was the resilience you reckon of that, um, Harajuku, uh, house? Do you reckon <laughs> that would have toppled? The, <laughs> the postmodern. You'd be annoyed if it got destroyed. You're like, I'm paying 20 grand for this every month. <laughs> this postmodern castle being toppled. I think that's the incredible thing, though, isn't it? If you look at the earthquake, the um, the earthquake that happened in 2011, there were mm. I don't I don't think there were any buildings that were destroyed by the earthquake itself. Obviously, the tsunami was devastating, but the earthquake just shook the buildings and did shake them rather violently. There's some incredible videos of uh, Shinjuku's skyscraper district on YouTube. I urge mm. you to go and look at them. Uh, it'll put the fear of God into you. You'll never want to go to it. <laughs> a skyscraper in Japan again. Like uh, when you see how much they shook, you know, we're talking like mm. a meter at the peak swaying. Um, but no, it's, it's remarkable. It really is an incredible feat of engineering, but no, it doesn't factor into my daily life here. And uh, I don't know many people where it does, to be honest. Certainly I think the the main concern would be tsunamis, but in recent years, because of the reconstruction, they've built some massive seawalls, uh, along the Pacific coastline now. So I think they're a lot better prepared for it going forward. But uh, mm. no, not not much of an issue, surprisingly. If you're, yeah. if you're ever in Corby, you should, uh, I think we said it before, check out the Earthquake Museum because mm. obviously they had an d- incredibly destructive one back in, well, That's not right. that long ago, to be honest. But um, their, their, their earthquake, earthquake Museum is uh, fascinating. Absolutely and that- fascinating. Just see, to see a, a city just get back on its feet so quickly um, after such devastation is just incredibly inspirational, I think. And that um, and that earthquake in 1995, it's the Great Hanshin earthquake. That was devastating because it did take out a lot of buildings. Like there's quite a f- mm. lot of famous um, images of the overpass, the highway that's just toppled over. Yeah. Um, but uh, at the time, like a lot of buildings hadn't met the regulations, or the the regulations weren't strong enough. And because of that earthquake, they did kind of get their act together and they did improve um, buildings, make them more earthquake proof across the country. So yeah, um, earthquakes. Shouldn't be too much of a concern, so don't worry about it too much. Um, yeah, got one from Saya. Over to you, Pete. Saya says, uh, I'm a Japanese housewife, and I binge listen to your podcast. At first, I was listening to your podcast to improve my listening skill. Uh, very unlucky if you're listening to my nonsense. <laughs> Sorry, Saya. Uh, Saya. Um, uh, now I'm totally a big fan of you two. I personally think guys with facial hair are very sexy, but as you said in previous episodes in Japan, I don't see many men who are with face hair. Uh, it totally depends on a person. I mean, some people look good with a face hair. Some people don't. Some women like guys with face hair and some don't. I guess most Japanese ladies prefer guys without face hair. I'm enjoying the word face hair very, very much. I think we should call beards face hair. Um, And my impression is that most Japanese guys nowadays, especially the younger generation, are very conscious of their face skins. Uh, They want to have beautiful skins like girls rather than having face hairs. So it's not a trend to have face hair in uh, Japan. Uh, Keep up good work. Uh, Cheers, Saya. Excellent email slash fax. (laughs) <laughs> very kind of sire yeah we had a question yeah. didn't we, a few weeks ago about uh how do japanese girls feel about facial hair and uh at least at least someone sire seems to think it's very sexy but um mm. yeah 
I think for the most part, it's not a thing. I mean, have you? How's your facial hair going? Do you still look like uh, kind of postmodern Colonel Sanders? <laughs> I do still look very much like oh, a no. Colonel Sanders. Yeah, I've still got the little beard and the and the glasses. No, I dropped my glasses yesterday and they exploded everywhere. I had to fix them with super glue. I fix so much stuff with super glue. I think my super glue output and input is so <laughs> incredible. I, I spend so much money on superglue every week. It's, it, I'm, I'm just very error prone. It seems very, very clumsy, but yeah, um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I have enjoyed growing a beard, but it, it takes a little bit of upkeep that I didn't sort of expect. I think you just let, let it get on with it to be quite frank. Well, I mean, I'm gutted that we haven't met this year apart from earlier this mm. year in February, um, because I would have loved to have seen you with the facial hair and put it in a video, give the people ran, what they deserve. Ran your fingers through it. Well, look, oh. I've said, Chris, I've been looking into it. All you need to do is get down to that Sendai um, ag- um, administrative office, get apply for that visa for old Donny. <laughs> you want me to get you a visa? What get visa would visa, that be? pig. The Colonel Sanders visa. visa. I've, got oh. a, I've got a US entertainment visa. Maybe that... <laughs> If you could tell my thing to that. I am not letting you into this country. Uh, We've got one last one here from Ben. He says, good afternoon, Chris and Pete. I'm a fan of the channel. Recently started listening to the podcast as I wash the dishes. It's Everybody this week seems to reveal that they listen to this podcast while doing the dishes. That's quite good, actually. I do the dishes quite I, often. I've helped present it. I'm washing yeah. the dishes now. It's, it's fun. I'd, it's not fun. But like, if you... No, you know, it it's makes not it fun. easier. I'm not going to make it sound fun, but I'm glad the podcast gets you through it. Um, ben continues, I am also an American who's been living in Kenya for five and a half years now, so this may be why I thought to Ooh. write to you. In the Sapporo live stream back in February, I noticed a noticeable shift in Chris's accent when he would speak with Pete versus when he was speaking to everyone else in the group. As an expat, I recognise that we all develop more neutral accents as a way to better understand mm. um be, sorry, as a way to be better understood by those we interact with. And I do the same here in Kenya. I apologise for not having a time-stamped reference, but there was one point when Chris was speaking with others in the group, when he turned to Pete, the British accent became thicker and he adopted a number of British isms that weren't present just a moment <laughs> prior, such as the word in it. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying this is bad. I just recognise it as an interesting adaption to living abroad. I find myself doing the same thing when I speak to other Americans or even call the embassy and have a chat with someone. But it was interesting to see how quickly Chris's, uh, Chris switch, switches back and forth. Have you noticed this at all from the live stream or have others pointed it out to you? Many thanks for the content. Uh, all the best to you guys, Ben in Nairobi. I think that's true. What do you think, Pete? Mm. Do you remember that? Did I switch my accent? Would you notice? I don't think I would, to be honest. I think maybe a little bit, but I th- again, I think I think he's right, though. I think we all do that a little bit because I, I, when I go to America, I sound like the poshest man ever, and obviously you know very well that <laughs> oh, I'm not God. very posh at all. Um, so yeah, I, um, yeah, so we all do a little bit of that. I think it's fair to so. say. <laughs> I think on the um, th- there's no doubt, like my accent, I've had to become more well-spoken Queen's English, right? Mm. Being here, pronounced. Uh, like British pronunciation, pronounced English. I um, on the day I arrived on the jet program, I flew into uh, Sakata, flew into Shonai in Yamagata, and I got mm. off the plane, and I was met by no less than three teachers that I was going to work with, and they all met me, and I went, "Oh, I did, Chris, good to see you all." Oh, I don't, blah, blah. and they all sort of looked at me and nodded, and then we went to a coffee shop in the airport, and we had a coffee, and I just talked for a bit, and no one said anything. 
And then mm. it dawned on me, no one, then it dawned on me that none of them knew what I was saying. And they were like, can you say it again, please? Slowly. And I was like, oh crap. I didn't realize that uh, my accent was that strong. So like that was the genesis of st- like changing my accent to becoming kind of more like I am now, I guess. I think the way I speak now on the podcast is more, is it isn't the real me to some extent. It's more mm. easy to listen to, shall we say? Easy to listen yeah. to. Yeah. I mean, in fair it. play to the uh, emailer as well in it. Um, that, uh, Nairobi, Nairobians have got a lovely kind of, uh, when they speak English, they've got a lovely, lovely accent. I'm very, very, uh, fond of, uh, Kenya. Love that part of the world. Have you, you've been to Kenya? Been to Kenya, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a charity thing, but, um, oh, yeah. I was, I, so I, I was out in, I was out in the sticks, but, uh, yeah, incredible, uh, in, incredible country. In it. Incredible in country in it, P. Keep the stories, questions coming into Abroad Japan podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back same time uh, to do it all over again the next few days, guys. But for now, no matter where you might be, out in the big wide world, have yourself a great three or four days, and we'll see you on Sunday. Woohoo. In it. Ooh la la. In it. <laughs>